Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. We have been in this series we call Cancel Culture, and we're talking about the things that Jesus cancels. Jesus never canceled people, um, but he did cancel some ideologies, some ways of thinking, some evil uh, in his time. And today I want to talk about something else that Jesus has come to, to cancel. Uh, I haven't talked a ton about this, but um, when our little nine-year-old boy was born, it was the scariest time of my life. Um, if you don't know the story, and you probably don't, um, uh, it, the second that my wife got pregnant, it was uh, called an at-risk pregnancy because of some medical issues. And so for what was supposed to be nine months of the typical pregnancy, we spent going back and forth to the doctor's office for ultrasounds, checking to make sure things were going the way they were supposed to. And everything was going well until um, about seven weeks before his due date, he was born uh, from an emer- with an emergency C-section at 2 o'clock one morning, a very scary um, time. And so for the next several weeks, he was in the NICU. His lungs weren't developing. He had some eating issues, couldn't couldn't put on weight, which now he eats like a grown man, so there's no problem there anymore. <laughs> on top of it, you know, we spent several weeks in the hospital. We're tired. We're, we're worn out. We've been trained that this little boy is, is, is fragile. Um, every time we would hold him in the hospital, they would have to be really, really careful that they didn't unplug anything, any wires connected to him. And so for several weeks in the hospital, we've been trained that this little boy is fragile. And then they send first-time parents home at 11 o'clock at night with this new baby. And I remembered thinking, I, 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 I'm scared to death. I don't, I, don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know that I would have said that out loud, but what I had was I had um, kind of an overarching fear, an overarching fear that even though I may not have, have termed it exactly like that or said it out loud, I, I just had this underlying fear in everything I did. It's not like I'd stop believing in God. I mean, obviously, I didn't. It's not like I stopped praying because I, I probably prayed more than, more than ever during that time. It was more like I just waited for things to go wrong. It was like it was hanging over me, and it made me reluctant and unconfident in everything I did. Here, here I am, a, a new dad with this fragile little boy. I don't know how to take care of this thing. They did not send the owner's manual with him. And on top of that, I, I don't feel like I know enough to be a dad. I, I don't feel like I'm supporting my wife very well. I don't feel like I'm being there for her. And I just got to a point where it literally felt like I was hanging on by a thread. You ever felt that? Like you're, you're just barely hanging on. It's almost like you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. You're just waiting for everything to actually happen that, you, happen that you've always feared was going to happen. And so you it almost get to the point where you're, where you're scared of everything. You're scared to be alone. Scared to be with other people, scared to drive in the car, scared to be at home, scared that somebody, that you're you're scared to be around people, you're scared to go anywhere, and it's a place where this anxiety and this fear literally affects everything. It affects your joy, it affects your mood, your faith, the way you go to your job, the way you are with your family, 
your relationships. One of the things that I've noticed is that fear plays itself out with different people. Fear looks different depending on who is walking in fear. For some people, fear is anger. As a matter of fact, men, I would think that, I would say that a lot of us, um, when we're fearful, it does portray itself as anger. Some people get angry when they're fearful because they, they can't quite identify the emotion that they're feeling. And better yet, they don't even want to say it out loud. And so instead of feeling fearful, instead of dealing with the fear, they just get angry at everything because everything is going wrong because my fears are being realized. For some people, I think fear plays itself out through a quiet depression. Some people, when, when you're scared, when you're living in fear, when you feel like that fearful cloud is kind of hanging over you, you, you kind of seclude, you kind of withdraw, kind of get quiet. For some people, I think it's the very opposite. Some people, their fear plays itself out in them overcompensating and being extra loud. You know anybody like that? It's probably more my thing than any of the other ones. But they, they overcompensate, and so they get really, really loud trying to forget about the fear. For some people, I think fear plays itself out in controlling. When you're fearful of how things are going to go, you begin to control it. Because if I can control it, then I still think everything's going to go wrong. But at least I'm close enough to it to fix it when it does. Fear plays itself out depending on who you are in different ways. And fear is sneaky, isn't it? It'll kind of come through the back door. And so a lot of times fear will start out as like a concern or just a small little worry. And then something happens that seems to kind of confirm that you should have been fearful of it. And then you add a couple of more of those instances, and before you know it, you are living under this cloud of fear. Today, I want us to talk about how Jesus came to cancel our fear, and my title is By a Thread. By a Thread. I don't think we talk enough about emotions and fear in church. But y'all, emotions are given, us, are given to us by God. Even fear itself is, is meant to be a good thing because sometimes our feeling of, of, of fear causes us to avoid a situation or to back out of a situation that could harm us. But unfortunately, a lot of us have gotten to this place in life where we're almost, we've almost become programmed or we've programmed ourselves to adopt fear, not just as an emotion, but almost as, as a personality thing. And so what will happen is we'll even create little systems in our life and little habits in our life based off of fear, and we don't even realize it. How many of you check the door 10 times before you go to bed at night? Anybody? Why do you do that? It's because you have a fear. Some of you, you text the people that you love out of the blue telling them to be careful. Where does that come from? It's become a part of your personality, but it really comes from a place of fear. Some of you are scared to death for your kids to walk out the door. Why is that? It's become part of who you are. And a lot of times we'll even make jokes about it. You'll even make jokes about these little systems that you've built into your life, all coming from a place of fear. And you've done it for so long that you don't even realize that's where it comes from. I want us to look at a fearful lady in Scripture. Now, this lady, let me just say, she has a reason to be fearful. She's battled this medical condition for, for 12 years, and it's not just the medical condition, but it's the reception that she would have got by society because of her medical condition. She would have been an outcast. She would have been pushed away and pushed out. I want us to read her story, and it's actually in, in, in Mark 5, it's in the context of actually another story. And I want us to read them together so that we can fully comprehend what this lady's going through. Mark 5, starting in verse 21. 
says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. This Jairus guy is a really important character. As a matter of fact, it says he's a synagogue leader. He is an important man. But here's where the lady comes into play. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. We don't know this lady's name. Just the lady who's been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Some of us today have a fear issue, and it's because you have a fear from what you've experienced. Some of us have a fear from what we've experienced. This lady has suffered for 12 years. For 12 years, she suffered from this issue of bleeding. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what this issue is, but it's believed that this was like a woman issue. This was a menstrual bleeding. And this is a big deal because Jewish purity laws of the time would have said that when it was a lady's that time of the month, she was ritually unclean because menstrual bleeding was seen as death. And dead people in this time, you couldn't touch them because if you touched them, they were unclean. You would become unclean as well. And so this lady has been living with this condition, being viewed as unclean, not one week out of the month, but for 12 solid years she's been going through this. She has been an outcast of society, unable to perform her regular duties, unable to worship with other people, unable to be in crowds, all because she has this medical condition that she didn't do anything to get. Can you imagine being isolated from the people you love, from worshiping your God, all because you have this medical condition? She's essentially bankrupt in every area of life, isn't she? She's bankrupt emotionally because she's had to be isolated. She's bankrupt physically because she has the medical condition. It says she's bankrupt financially because she spent everything she had trying to find a doctor who could deal with this. The past 12 years for this lady, as we'll see in a moment, have caused great emotional pain and fear to come up inside her. And some of us that's our story, isn't it? There is something from your past that is greatly affecting your present. And it's a fear because of something that you experienced, because of something somebody did to you, because of something that you had to go through. And so now you have these fears that you just live life with. Maybe it's a social fear. Maybe somebody treated you a certain way as you were growing up. And so now you fear being around people. You fear getting close to people because you've experienced it in your past. Maybe it's a financial fear. Maybe you did file for bankruptcy. Maybe you did almost lose everything. Maybe you actually did lose everything at one point. And even though you're past that now, you still have this fear because of, 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 what, of what you went through. Maybe it's a physical fear. Maybe you or somebody you know dealt with something physically, a condition, a disease, a sickness. And so now every time you get a little cough or every time you go to the doctor, you're overwhelmed with fear because of something that's from 
your past. And here's the fact about this kind of fear. If you have a fear of the past, here's what I know. Our fear is based on our expectations, and our expectations are based on our past experience. Admit it, sometimes you live your life just waiting for everything to go wrong, don't you? Why? Because in the past, you've experienced something, and so it sets your expectations for what you're going through now. Some of you, you fear that everybody you get close to is going to leave you. That's your expectation. Why is that your expectation? Because you've experienced it in the past. For some of you, you expect things to go bad financially. You expect the car to break for the washer to go out in the same week. Why? Because you've experienced it in the past, and it has set your expectations, and it has set fear inside of you. Some of you fear people, whether it's people-pleasing, whether it's if people like you, whether it's the impression that you give off, you fear people. Why? Because you expect people not to like you. Why? Because you have experienced it in the past where people didn't like you and therefore rejected you. So now you carry this fear with you everywhere you go. Fear is aggressive. And if we don't identify its root and where it started, it will overtake us. Because Satan uses fear, doesn't he? He uses fear, and fear almost takes on the personality of Satan. Satan is sneaky. Satan will take a little bit of truth and twist it into a lie. Fear does that, doesn't it? Because you've experienced, you've experienced the pain. But what will happen is Satan will use that. He'll twist it. He'll grow it, and you will become fearful, and it will change your expectations of everything around you because you've experienced something in the past. So this lady is going to push through this fear. And in verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought. Now, if I was going to preach a sermon right there, I could talk about the power of our thoughts because this lady, she has this thought and it's about to literally change the course of her life. Our thoughts, our thought life, what we allow into our mind, what we dwell on, what we replay over in our mind is important. It's about to change this lady's life, but I'm not going to preach that sermon. Y'all ready? It says, she thought if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt it in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Some of us are living with a fear for the future. Some of us are living with a fear for the future. Did you know that the thing you fear most reveals where you trust God the least? You ever thought about it? The thing that you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. If you do feel fear, financial issues, financial things, it tells you that you probably don't trust God's provision. If you fear health issues, it probably means you don't trust God's protection. If you fear others, it probably means that you don't trust the identity that God has given you. If you fear death, it probably tells you that you don't trust God's promises of eternity. Now, I don't say that to be rude because I got my stuff as well. In fact, Earlier this year, one of the areas that I've always struggled in trusting God with is finances. I don't know where it comes from. I always feel like I don't have enough. I always feel like I'm going to run out. And earlier this year, God told me, Jonathan, generosity is a matter of the heart. And so what I've discovered 
is that is the area because that's the area I fear. That's the area that I trust God the least. And so for the past year, I've been working on trying to, to trust God in that particular area of my life. What area is it for you? Where do you fear? And where do you fail to trust God? What's the place for you? Because this lady isn't going to let the fear of the future stop her. She has a chance to get to Jesus, the one who she thinks might can do something about this condition that she spent 12 years on. Keep in mind, this lady cannot be in this crowd this day. Her fear for the future would have literally been the punishment or the possible stoning that she could have gotten because she is unclean walking through a clean crowd. But she doesn't let it stop her. If we're not careful, we will let the fear of the future rob us of the potential of the present. Some of you are there. You are so scared about what's going to happen five years from now that you are allowing it to ruin your life now because you don't trust God. So shaking, sneaking through the crowd, stooping, this lady reaches out and touches Jesus' outer garment. Why did she touch, a, touch his outer garment? Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. One is there's kind of a superstitious reason. You see, men, Jewish men of the time would have worn these tassels on their outer garment to remind them of the, the Ten Commandments. And so there was kind of a superstitious, almost like it actually goes back to Greco-Roman superstition, like a magic kind of thing, that there was some sort of magical healing powers in this cloak of Jesus. But there's also a very spiritual reason because other places in Scripture, we see people getting healed when they touch the hem of Jesus's, of Jesus's robe. And so she's shaking, she's scared because it would have been believed that because of her bleeding issue, her touching Jesus would have made Jesus unclean. Because if something unclean comes in contact with something clean, the clean thing doesn't clean the unclean thing. I think I said that right. If, if I have a dirty hand and I put it on my plate before I eat lunch, does the plate make my hand clean or does my hand make the plate dirty? <laughs> That's right, I'm not going to eat it. My hand makes the, makes the plate dirty. So, so typically her touching Jesus would have made Jesus unclean. But with Jesus, Jesus has the power to change everything in an instant. You see, Jesus doesn't go by human standards. And so she touches the hem of Jesus' robe and she doesn't make Jesus unclean. No, Jesus has the power to clean up the unclean thing when it gets in contact with Jesus. And the reason I tell you that this morning is because whatever your struggle is, whatever your unclean parts of your life are, in the presence of Jesus, they can be cleaned up. There is still hope for those things. You can trust him with your, with, with your anxiety. You can trust him with your problems. You can trust him with your issues. And he has the power in a moment to change everything. Your past, your present, and your future. He can change them in a heartbeat. Just like he just does for this unnamed outcast bleeding woman. So remember, if we follow the story, Jesus is still on his way 
to heal this important guy's daughter. But I love that he takes a moment and doesn't rush through this story because he spends some more time with her. Look at verse 30. It says, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? I love the disciples' response because at this point, they should have figured out that Jesus knows who touched him. But instead, they say, you see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. Some of us, and this is going to sound really, really awkward and, and odd, but hear me out. Some of us have a fear of what God is doing. You know what's interesting about this fearful lady? Is, did you notice that she is fearful after Jesus speaks? If you, if, if, if you know the New Testament, typically when Jesus speaks, peace comes. Do you remember the story of Jesus in the boat with the storm? The disciples said, hey, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? And he spoke, and all of a sudden there was, there was peace. But Jesus speaks, and this woman is still fearful. I think there's a couple of different reasons. One is he doesn't speak directly to her. And the second thing is, I think even though she is healed, her mind is still so stuck in her fear of what is going to happen and the people around her and the issues that she carried into this situation. Let's be extremely real. Do you ever fear what God's doing in your life? Like, just keeping it, keeping it real. I, I personally, I believe that God cares about me. I believe that God has the power, as I said just a moment ago, to, in the blink of an eye, to change everything. I believe God is working. I believe God is working in my situation. The thing that I sometimes fear with God is how much is it going to cost me and how much is it going to hurt until you do what I wanted you to do. And so sometimes I do get into a situation where it's like, how much, God, how much are you going to test my patience? I know you're working, but how much patience am I going to have to use in this situation? God, I know you're working, but how bad is it actually going to get? God, I, I know you're working, but how long is the pain going to last before you step in and do something? I asked that question two weeks ago. I had COVID, and I was a baby when it came to me having COVID. And I asked God, God, I don't believe I'm going to die from this, but would you please just heal me now? Like, I'm tired of being miserable. Do you ever fear how long God's going to leave you there or what he's going to do or how long it's going to take him? Do you ever find yourself knowing that God is going to do something but terrified about how he's going to do it? That, I think that's this lady. So Jesus asked, who touched me? When Jesus, says, when Jesus asked that question, you better believe he knew who touched him. He has just healed her. Jesus knew, unlike the disciples were aware of, Jesus knew who touched him. The thing Jesus wants her to do 
is he wants her to openly express what she did. And so he tells her to publicly say what happened. And with fear, trembling, a quiver in her voice, but also for the first time in 12 years, not having this bleeding condition, she looks up and she tells the complete truth about what she did. Just a side note, there will be times in our lives where we'll have an opportunity to push through the fear that we feel and it is gonna change everything if we'll do it. You cannot let fear paralyze you so that you miss what God has on the other side. This lady, she speaks up, and then Jesus responds, verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What grace, what tenderness. You see, the reason why Jesus wanted her to openly express what she did is because Jesus knew that he had physically healed her at this moment. The reason why Jesus wanted her to confess to it is because he didn't just want to stop with a physical healing. And he knew that if she identified herself, number one, the rest of the crowd that day would have known that she was clean again. But also, he knew that if she identified herself in that moment, he would have an opportunity more uh, to do more than just complete a physical healing. But he would have the opportunity to heal her at a different level, to speak to the shame and the, and, and the alone feeling and the fear that she was feeling and heal her from a place much deeper than just a physical healing. And so Jesus looks up with kindness in his eyes. And he calls this lady by her real name. He doesn't call her outcast. He doesn't call her the lady with the issue of blood. He doesn't call her the unnamed woman. He doesn't call her fearful woman. No, Jesus looks square in this lady's eyes. And did you catch what he called her? He said, my, my daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. It's the only time in the New Testament where Jesus calls someone daughter. Here's what I want you to hear me say today. The only way to push through fear and to allow Jesus to cancel the fear that has been hovering over you for way too long is to trust that Jesus knows your name. Not, not just to believe that he notices you. Not just to believe that he can do some things for you. Not just to hold on to hope that he can rescue you from your situation, but to really believe that in the course of the billions of people on planet Earth, he knows your name. 
that even though there's billions of people on planet Earth, he has billions of people to take care of. He doesn't just notice you and occasionally glance over you. No, the God who created the moon, the sun, the stars, the God who, who, who has the ability to heal in a moment, the one who has the ability to move a mountain and say, hey, you go over there, the one who has the ability to shut things down in an instant and build things back up, that God doesn't just recognize you. No, he knows your So what can mere mortals do to me? That situation, as scary as it is, what can it do to you? That relationship that's in shambles, as much as it might suck that it's in shambles, what can it do to you? When the Savior of the world is holding your hand, is looking you in your eye, and is calling you by your name, when you and I grasp that we are sons and daughters of the Savior from Nazareth, our fear will begin to fade away. It won't be in an instant. It'll take hard work. It won't be a magic pill. But it can, it can happen. You see, my fear won't define me because Jesus knows my name. I want to make this really, really practical because it's true that Jesus knowing your name is really the only thing that can cancel the fear. But what are some things that we can do to try to to try to remember it in those moments where fear is, is really, really heavy. I think we do it by a thread. The T is time out. See, in those moments where fear is, feels like it's overwhelming you, your tendency and my tendency will be to avoid it, to avoid it by staying busy, by doing a lot of things. But with a lot of emotion, emotional issues and emotional things that we come up against. Staying busy is not the answer. The, the answer is stepping back and taking a time out to give yourself a moment to breathe, to be in the quiet, just you and God. And then here, you know, one of the reasons why I think sometimes in today's culture, we do not hear God speak and we don't have the peace that he wants to bring us is because we don't create time for it. Our lives are so busy and so loud. When you're faced with those overwhelming feelings of fear, take a time out and try to listen. As odd as it may feel at first, try to listen for, for God to call your name. One of the things that I've been doing lately, and this may be terrible advice, so if it is, then it's not my fault because I told you it might be. One of the things I've been doing lately is during my quiet time, I've kind of been picturing Jesus sitting beside me and I've just asked the simple question, Jesus, what you up to? I found myself asking that question to other people a lot. So one day I just asked Jesus, I said, what you up to? Sometimes just knowing 
and believing that he is there with you and that he is up to something in your life changes everything. And then read. You know, the lies that Satan whispers when it comes to fear, the only way to dispel the lies or to, f- to fill yourself with truth. And I don't think sometimes we take it seriously enough how true this is. You don't even have to be reading a verse about fear to somehow let the fear subside when you start reading God's word. Even if it's you opening the Bible app and reading in the verse of the day, you need something to go to. You need some, you need some truth. And then examine. You know, sometimes fear comes into our life because we're doing something to produce it. If we're making choices that go against what we know is best, fear is the natural response for us. Maybe there's a sin and you need to examine your life. Am I doing anything to feed this fear? Do I have connections with people that's feeding this fear? And then appreciate there's something powerful about worshiping God when you're in the midst of fear to appreciate who he is, to think about what he's done. Because I don't know about you, but I don't just go through my day all the time thinking about everything that God's done for me. I'm sorry, you might be that holy, I'm not. But there's something about a moment of worship, of appreciation, of being intentional and appreciating all that God's done for me that completely changes my mindset. And then the D is declare. To declare the truth out loud. I know sometimes that's going to feel weird, but sometimes you've got to speak truth that's louder than lies. And I know some of your stories and the lies and the fear are very loud for you. So you've got to speak up. You've got to speak out loud so the devil can hear you and you tell him that fear has no right and no place in your life. Declare the truth of God to dispel the fear. And not today, Satan with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people under the sound of my voice right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus tells that lady, your faith has healed you. And that's what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. It's that simple, it's just believing. It's admitting that you're a sinner and believing that he is who he says he is and then confessing, confessing him as Lord. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning and maybe fear isn't your issue, but maybe you feel alone, maybe you feel abandoned, maybe you feel like you can't keep up, you need a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, you can pray this prayer. It's nothing magical about the words. It's just a confession. Just say, Jesus, I confess that I've missed the mark, that I'm sinful. But I believe that you came to pay the price for it, that you died on a cross, that you rose from the dead. And so I accept you as my savior. Thank you for changing me forever. Thank you for being my hope in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the fear. I surrender everything that I am to you. God, I thank you so much for this group of people. God, I thank you for this story. God, that you would place it 
in your word, a story about a lady who we don't even know her name, but speaks such truth to us. God, I thank you for the people in the room today who are coming to grips with their fear and for how they're gonna work through it and how they're gonna get through it through a relationship with you. God, I thank you for this amazing group of people and God, for the honor and the privilege to teach your word. God, may we, may we kick fear out by declaring that you are good and that it's not our future, but you are. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.